Digital is the future, and we are that future. Touch HD. Touch HD. Well, today is the 22nd of October. I'm sitting in my studio with Linda and my gorgeous Mike Ratcliffe, and it's a very exciting day, guys. Thanks for tuning in, because today is the official, I think, launch of my darling Villa Fantasy in Johannesburg. Mike, welcome to Touch HD. Thanks, Carrie. Linda, it's great to be here, and hi to everybody out there listening. Now, is it correct that today is the first sort of semi-official launch of your Villa Fantasy 2018 vintage? Well, today is the first time that anybody will ever taste it. Technically, <laughs> it's a pre-release uh, because it launches every year for the last 15 years on the 1st of November. So yeah. um, let's, let's call it the, the start of um, something new. I've been so excited about it because, you know, I was just thinking when you contacted me a little while ago and said, should we maybe do a quick little sneak preview in Johannesburg and of course we should because Joburg loves Villafonte um, I just had a, a quiet think about Villafonte and you launched in 1997 you started your business in 1997 I we think. planted our first vineyard in 1996 actually was it 96 yeah so we're talking about 20 something years yeah next year's a big year it's uh, 25 years so in 25 years Aside the fact that you did an amazing marketing job on your family business, which was Warwick. And I think Warwick really, really, really became a household brand, a much-loved brand. Everybody to this day drinks Warwick, even although the Ratcliffe's no longer own Warwick. But you established one of the biggest brands in South Africa by way of Warwick. But quietly behind the scenes whilst you were doing that, you you sort of married two people who are very special to me in the industry as well Zelma Long and Phil Fries you planted your vineyards your vineyards for Villa Fonte in you say 1996 and in 23-24 short years because when you're my age 23 years is short you've managed to establish the premium brand of wine in South Africa again for the second time what is the trick Michael Ratcliffe what is the trick to this unbelievable brand building that you do? Well, that's very flattering. Um, I'm not sure if I, I share the sentiment. We're just humble farmers making <laughs> making juice. Say. But um, you know, I think I think people like consistency. Uh, people like to know that if they pick a particular wine off the shelf or or off a wine list, that they're going to uh, get something that they're satisfied with, or Put it differently, they don't want to be disappointed. It can come down to something that simple. But um, I think probably the thing that has, has kept us really focused is just that, the word focus. We don't do anything other than what we're good at, which is Bordeaux blends. We've uh, For 24 years, we've stuck with four varieties, classic Bordeaux varieties. We don't make white wine. Don't make red wine. I mean, don't make <laughs> white wine or bubbles. Or um, rosé or anything. We love mm. drinking it and we love buying the wines of other great producers, but we don't want to try to compete at everything. Uh, we, we are classicists. Um, we're inspired by the great wines of the world. Uh, often those great wines of the world are Cabernet or Merlot based, mm. and we've stuck to our knitting. And, you do. Mm. Um, like I said to you just before the interview, our massive plan for, for next year is nothing. There's going to be no changes. <laughs> more of the same gorgeous stuff. More, more of the same. Um, mm. And and some people uh, like to point out that the greatest businesses in the world are full of innovation and change. And I completely concur with that. Uh, and when it comes to, to wine, I think that 
the greatest wineries in the world are characterized by constant innovation and change. And we do that. And we're constantly innovating and changing. But we're not changing our product line. We're changing and innovating how we do things, looking for incremental changes. How can we do something just a little bit better? I think the bottom line is I'm inclined to agree with you. You know, I'm a Luddite and I find it very, very difficult to sync my Mont Blanc fountain pen with my my Apple iPhone. It's hard to be both. And I think that your innovation happens quietly behind the scenes. Your innovation is basically innovating on improvement. And the general public never know about that. We don't know what Mike and Zalma and Phil do behind the scenes. All we do know is that the product doesn't change. And I think that there's a massive place in the world, in this crazy, wild, ridiculous world that we live in at the moment, for that, for that certainty. There's so much uncertainty. One of my big certainties is, is that if I go into a shop or a restaurant and I order a bottle of seriously old dirt, or as one of my gorgeous American customers calls it, what does he call it? I sent you the thing. Seriously old dirty? No, not seriously old dirty. <laughs> I'll think of it in a minute. But I know that if I buy one of those or either of the Villafonte, C or M, it's always going to be the same. It delivers. It makes me happy. I know that it's not going to change. There are things in life that you don't want to change. I don't want to update my Villafonte. The only update I want is when I'm forced to go to the next vintage because you've run out of the last one. I think there's an important point to add to that is that the South African wine industry is not the industry of 25 years ago. No. Uh, as an industry, we have come so far. The quality of today is it would be difficult to compare to the quality of 25 you years can't. ago. No. Um, and so for us to stay relevant, we have to make sure that we are on or ahead of that curve. Um, and so the wines that we produced all those years ago compared to what we're doing now, they, they are different. But mm. not noticeably because the difference has been slow mm. and, like I said, incremental. If I refer back to the very early days, probably around 2000, um, and having these great American partners that have taught me so much over the years and still teach me. Oh, they're just the best. I still learn they so much business. from them. Yeah, they're brilliant. One of the things that Selma Long taught me is that the, in the wine industry, there are no silver bullets, which means there is not one single thing you can do to um, take your uh, brand into the stratosphere. There isn't one single thing you can do to improve your quality. Uh, you, you need to identify the, the hundred or possibly even thousand things, inputs that go into a particular product and focus on all of them. And the person who is able to incrementally improve the most Everything. number of things is probably going to be the winner at the end of the day. Mm. And if we if we sit as, as long-term partners, we often talk about, we often spend most of our time talking about the things that we're doing badly. Mm. We don't spend a huge amount of time talking about the things that we're doing well because we're looking at, at ironing out any weak spots. Mm. And this is agriculture, ultimately. It's farming. It's farming. I've always said at the end of the day, the guys in the free state, the mealy farmers in the free state are allowed a misus. They are. <laughs> in the olden days, they used to be allowed a misus. They would scrap it because for whatever reason the millies just didn't happen or they were bad or they went fraught or whatever. The baboons ate them, whatever they were. And the government used to compensate them and it was put down to experience it was a misuse. In the wine industry, you're expected, there's this expectation internationally to continually produce the most alarming vintage. And I don't think that that's realistic or possible. And I love the way you've you've always, you and I chat often about Villafonte. We talk a lot. It's one of my, very close to my heart. 
And I watch the evolution of it, and I, I'm cognizant of all the things that I think are going on there. You don't talk bullshit. You don't say to me, Carrie, this vintage is off the charts, if it's not. You say we, we, we cautiously optimistic, or we don't think it's as good as what 2017 was, or we wish that it was more like 2018, or whatever. You don't bullshit yourself or anybody else about your vintage, and you're not embarrassed to admit that you are simply farming this stuff. We, we've had our failures. Mm. We've had, I mean, I can point out, and maybe it's interesting for your listeners to hear about failures rather they than... They do, because it gives it yeah. an integrity that they so, otherwise wouldn't have. So when we planted our vineyard soil preparation in, in actually in 1995, we planted our first vineyard in 1996. And the plan was that when the we started experimenting with the 2000 vintage, 2001, 2002, and our master plan was to launch with the 2002 vintage under the Villafonte label. And sadly, it, it, it was a failure. The vintage just wasn't good enough. It was quite good. 2002 was a dreadful vintage dreadful in South vintage. Africa. Everything you open of it is still dreadful. It was a dreadful vintage. Mm-hmm. And, and that was our seven-year master plan at the time, was to launch with the 2002 vintage at the end of 2003. And, you know, ultimately, the, the vintage just wasn't good enough. No. We took probably the most difficult decision of my, of our lives collectively to not release that vintage. And oh, yeah. it came so close to bankrupting us before we'd even launched. And only through the goodwill of, of a few banks. And, <laughs> yes, uh, thank God. We, I'm going to say, who's your banker? Oh, my goodness. Let's yeah. call the next one that label. I always just say when I was involved with Struntfeld, we needed to make a label called Standard Bank <laughs> because they really did launch us for a couple of years before we could do anything that was going to be worthwhile. We, we got saved. Um, anyway, needless to say, we launched with the 2003, which is a cracking vintage, and that put us on the map. But, you know, speaking of failures, 2008 for us was also not a great vintage, mm. and we took the very difficult decision not to release it. Yeah. Uh, but I think what those two failures did is they contributed immeasurably to the integrity of our brand. 100%. And um, uh, people have long memories, and um, going back to, to one of the opening comments was, People are looking for consistency. Mm. They want to know that you mentioned Mont Blanc. If you mm. buy a Mont Blanc pen, it hurts a little bit when you pay for it. But, you know, it, it just works, works and it's beautiful and it's got the right weight. And yeah. the same with wine. If you buy a bottle of Villafonte, um, our, our customers have a very, very high level of expectation. And, um, you know, we need to deliver on that. It's such an interesting thing, actually, to to look at what we like to think of as luxury brands. You get to a stage where Louis Vuitton could almost produce anything and people would buy it because they've endorsed their integrity year after year after year with good service and and happy customers and that same certainty that I'm talking about. In such an uncertain world, we know that Villa Fantasia is going to be gorgeous. So having said that, tell me a little bit about your 2018 that I'm going to taste later on this evening at Marble. Well, if it if it says Villafonte, there's a certain um, expectation, and we we need to meet it. So from that point of view, we don't think anyone will be disappointed. Um, on the contrary, first of all, the blend. I mean, you do mess about with it, and it's not really anybody's uh, yeah. business because I like to think of Villafonte's blend as being quite a private thing. It's, it's quite private, yeah. We, um, uh, but we do know that there's Cabernet and sometimes Cabernet Franc in there as well. Yeah, so this is um, uh, in the history of uh, since two thousand three. Every vintage of C has has been Cabernet dominated. Hence, mm. hence the letter C, and we've never strayed from that. Uh, but we would, but we haven't needed to mm. because our Cabernet has always come up trumps. So this mm. year is again Cabernet dominated. Um, you know, over ten years ago, I took the 
percentages off the back label. It's nobody's business. And do you know what happened? <laughs> nobody's cared. <laughs> Nobody cared. It's such um, a lot of rubbish that people need to know how much this, how much yeah. that. Does um, it taste nice? Yes. So that's the benefit of, of having a brand that's recognized. Is people have a certain expectation and, you know, they what give you latitude. What do you think the winemaker of Chateau Lafitte would say if I cruised into a cellar one day and said, Excuse me, but in the 2017 vintage, how much Cabernet Franc of you would he would tell me to go away, go back to South Africa? Well, firstly, he wouldn't know. <laughs> he wouldn't yeah. care. <laughs> in the same way that I actually don't know the percentages in the in the C18, and uh, and I I don't care, but I can tell you that it's Cabernet dominated. That's um, all we need. To we know. have uh, a splash of Merlot, a splash of Malbec, oh, okay. and interestingly, for this year, it always uh, almost always has a bit of Cabernet Franc in it. Mm. And this year. Slightly more than normal, and the only percentage I do know because it's slightly unusual is it has eleven percent Cabernet Franc. Okay, it doesn't um, mean it. it we just, do the tongue tip test. Yeah. So that's what we do. I know that that's what you and Zolma do. What my mum taught me is that there are two types of wine. There are yummy wines, and then there are other wines. Mm. <laughs> we like to think that we fall into the yummy category. Yeah. Um, so, um, but you know, we've also developed a, a very loyal clientele over the years, and we have a lot of. Uh, a lot of our clients carry um, multiple vintages in their cellar. Mm. They have uh, they have deep vintages, and are only now starting to tuck in the wine into the wines from the two thousands, and are being handsomely re- rewarded by the development of the wines. And so that just goes back to one point that I'd love to make: is you speak about the world that we live in, but we also live in a world of fast-moving consumer goods, Mm. instant satisfaction, buy it now, twelve-hour delivery, checkers, Mm. sixty minutes delivery, and and we like to be the 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 anti-wine when it comes to that. We, even though it might not be the most popular thing, we we do really encourage our clients to be very patient, to find that occasion when you can actually sit. Think, be quiet, be with the person that you care about. And, and proudly open this bottle that you've puffed and blown over for the last 10 years. Quite right. Yeah, it's such a special thing. I am of that. I'm very left of center. I can't stand all this gimme, gimme, me, 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 now, 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 big, 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 big. But hopefully, I hate COVID because I think it's the biggest hoax that the planet's ever seen. But there are a few things that you always have to try and look for the good that's come out of anything. And I think that one of the good things that may have come out of this monumental planet closure is that people have had to wait for stuff. You can't have what you want all of the time. You can't do what you want to do all of the time. Um, and maybe it will get people back to a space that says, I don't know about you, but when we were in lockdown, fortunately I had my son out from Europe and I wasn't on my own. We did things that we'd never done before. You know, we walked in the park, we cooked together, we baked, we swam, we played table tennis. We did all those things that we haven't had time to do because the world has started spinning so fast that if you stop for a minute, you actually might fall off. You know, the gravity is such that you just got to spin so fast, otherwise you're going to fall off. And I think that COVID might, might have got people back to a space that says, it's just slow down. It's not so important, you know. The other thing that a lot of people did is they, they walked into their wine cellar and they had a little look around and they said, what have I got in here? Hmm, that they drank good. it all. Yeah, they drank. Thank goodness for me, they drank it all. <laughs> they drank some of their wine, <laughs> but also they, they probably find those, find those quiet moments to sit down and really appreciate what they had. Mm. And um, sure, I mean, not every wine is designed for aging and the majority of them aren't and that's fine. Mm. Uh, but for the wines that are, there's a, a really special occasion to be had. Yeah, there is. Talk to us about the the birth of of seriously old dirt because 
it is one of my favorite wines. I have to say I do have favorite children. And it popped up later on in the proceedings. It wasn't there from day dot, was it? No, it wasn't. Although having said that, um, from day dot, we already started making it. But um, And, and we, we have a, a very classic Bordeaux model where we have um, a, a first wine uh, model. Uh, let's call it two first wine, Series C and Series M. And then in Bordeaux, every everything that doesn't quite make it into the, the Grand Cuvée um, would go, go into another brand, which is a classic second label. Often it includes the wines from younger vineyards or possibly wines that are stylistically not appropriate for the um, for the main wine. And so we always made that wine, but it was kind of the leftovers. Why didn't you share it? Well, we did. We sold it. Well, we sold it um, under... Um, other people's labels <laughs> and because you know in the early days like any entrepreneur you have cash flow problems and mm. you need to no, keep you your do business need running mm. <coughs> um, and so it was only in 2012 where we got to the point where we could focus on actually creating um, seriously all this and creating mm. the baby it was actually um, uh, my partner Dr. Phil Fries and the story goes it might be slightly a messed up story but this is roughly what happened is he was with Robert Parker in Baltimore, and they were doing an interview about Villafonte. And Phil just continued going on and on about this incredible old soil mm. in the cradle of humankind in Stellenbosch and Paul, where we're planting our Cabernet vines. And eventually Robert Parker said, you know, at some stage we're going to have to talk about the wine and not just about the soil. The soil. <laughs> and having the American accent, my partner Phil says, hey man, this is seriously old dirt. <laughs> and that name stuck. And in fact, the article Robert Parker wrote was... The heading was seriously all dead, and that's where it came from. It's gorgeous. And your label <coughs> is, it's almost like rice paper. It's almost got like little bumps of soil and things on it. Whose brainchild was that? Yours? It was a kind of evolution. I mean, I, 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 that's my responsibility to be in charge of that. So I guess to a certain extent it was my my brainchild but you know we took the the more formal Villafonte label and and stylized it into a more casual interpretation mm. um, it is pretty I've, people like texture oh people love texture and in fact people like texture and wine as well it's not just how it smells and tastes you need to feel it it's like mm. the difference between eating mince or eating a piece of steak you know completely different textures they both taste quite nice but you choose which texture you like so That's true. the wine is textural as well and i find the older i get the more important that texture is and on the on the subject of texture just for my listeners who are listening to this and wishing that they were going to be joining me and michael at marble tonight hey Linz, i can see you wish you were joining <laughs> us um the texture of the sea so the sea is like the Bentley Milson. It really is. You get into it and you feel like you're sitting on a velvet seat and the floors are suede and the air conditioner smells right and everything in that Bentley is in balance. You love being in that Bentley. You want to stay in there for as long as you possibly can. If you want it to go fast, it never says no. If you want it to stop, it stops quietly. Villa Fantasy is a Bentley for me. It is super duper, uber, top, 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 and soft and silky, but very red. The thing, the big stamp for me about my Villa Fonte wines is this unbelievable, sweet, juicy, ripe red fruit. Who goes to pick and pay Orleans and buys a green pawpaw or a hard avocado pear? 
who wants to drink wines that are mean and lean and but somehow in the midst of that ripe fruit you've got a tension that runs through those wines that keeps them on their toes just a bit you know so how do you get that balance i know we've spoken about the soil it's old and gorgeous and it's producing beautiful stuff but where does that balance come from well as i said earlier there's no silver bullet but there are a couple of party tricks yeah. um the the first one is in terms of the vineyard and we call it berry variability <laughs> and we like to have minimal berry var- variability so obviously if you have a, a cabernet vineyard and it's half a hectare nirvana would be when every single berry ripens at exactly the yeah. same, same time now this is agriculture and viticulture it never really happens like that but the best vineyards will have very low variability and that gives you a very big sweet spot of concentration flavor mm. you mentioned juicy ripeness um mm. and 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 that's probably the thing that we strive for it's probably what takes 50 percent of the effort of villafonte is to is to get berry variability but many winemakers will tell you that the wines are made in the vineyard and that's partially true but a oh, lot of that wines, winery is very crucial a lot of wine, <laughs> wines are messed up in the in the winery and mm. so not having uh, incredible depth of knowledge about how to take what hopefully are good grapes, excellent grapes, and convert them over time into something that's special. It's just you just can't say that it's made in the in the vineyard. No. The raw materials made in the vineyard, yeah. yes, but the but the art is all done in the winery, and yeah. it is as important as the vineyard. And, and I think that those are um, without getting too nerdy. Those those are two observations. And who's actually making this wine for you? Because I know Zelma is pretty much drives the bus. Yeah. But she's not here all the time. So have you got sort of able-bodied serfs and minions in the cellar who are running around doing her stuff? Yeah, I mean, we've had the same team for a very long time. Mm. Um, and that's another thing, consistency. Mm. You know, it takes a long time to learn something and you mm. can't be chopping and changing all the time. Um, our head winemaker is a gentleman called Christopher Fries. He's been with us for a long time. Did his first vintage in 2014, but you know worked under under Zelma, mm. and um, yeah, he's really going from strength to strength. But you know, after all these years, we have made communication between South Africa and California so into easy. an art. We mm. communicate regularly, every single week. It doesn't even feel weird. You know, the fact that we're now using Zoom, you know, this this is completely Nothing new natural to, you. to us. Mm. But also, um, my California partners do generally come out to South Africa three times a year mm. for all the critical times, including harvest, blending. Mm. Um, COVID has put a bit of a halt to that. Mm. But um, yeah, our team is is pretty solid. Mm. Small team, you know, we're not a big winery. We, no. We're a small uh, producer and, and we don't do much. We just make a small handful of well, wines. Belafonte is, honestly, it really is... Um, if we were to classify South African wines, it really is a first growth. I don't know how you've 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 sort of given us a little bit of your magic, but magic it is. Um, your vineyards, have you got plans to buy more or make it bigger, or are you just keeping it just like it is? So we our property is probably about sixty five percent planted to what we could. Um, we do have a very slow building program. Uh, in fact, it's been a very exciting last couple of weeks because we finished planting two hectares, which is a really big deal for us. <laughs> it's taken about five years of brain power and, and, 
and three PhDs literally within our team to get team it done. To get it done, but we've done it right, really, really. And well. what did you plant? Cabernet, baby. Mm. Cabernet is the king of the world. Cabernet isn't is it? the king. Yeah. yeah, it's the lion of the wine industry. It just doesn't yeah. take any prisoners. It's gorgeous. And you know, sometimes it takes a long time to work this out. And I, I wouldn't say that 25 years is a long time, but it's certainly the start. Mm. Um, I also think that I've always been of the mindset that, that greatness doesn't happen uh, overnight. Uh, and greatness is, is more than likely multi-generational in our business. Mm. So, um, so, you know, trial and error is still a very important part of what we do. Mm. We have messed some vineyards up. We planted a, in 2000, we blocked a, planted a block of Cabernet Franc. And in 2005, we pulled it out. So not everything is... Doesn't work to plan. But that's why I love you because you, you really... One of the big things in life is that you stick up your hand and you say, guys, we made a mistake. And we do hope that the leaders of the world are going to stick up their hands soon and say, guys, we made a mistake with this COVID thing. With a 96% recovery rate to shut down planet Earth was a little bit sort of silly. Aggressive. We hope that that's going to change. But what's not going to change is that... The release of the 2018 Villafonte C is going to happen on the 1st of November. We're getting a sneak preview this evening. I will tell you in the next podcast what I thought of it, um, because I'm sure that you're all going to want to know. And all I can say is that if you can't afford the Villafonte C, because there are lots of people who are desperately trying to stay alive at the moment, if you can't afford a bottle of Villafonte C, go and buy a little bottle of seriously old dirt because it's so playful and it's so cute and it just sticks its hands up and says, I bet you you're going to want more. And you have a glass and it says, I know you want another one. And then it says, I know you want another bottle. That's that's seriously old dirt. Villa Fonte C and M are the Rolls Royces of our world and the, and the little seriously old dirt is the sort of city golf or it's not even a city golf it's a gti maybe but guys there's something for everybody from villa fonte believe it or not it is one of my favorite 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 brands that's come out of south africa and michael you are just one of my favorite boys you never ever stop that energy is boundless so thank you so much for everything that you've done for us everything that you've put into the wine industry not just villa fonte wise you are a mensch and thank you for coming into Capitol Hill today to do this interview. Thanks, Kerry. And thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Digital is the future, and we are that future. Touch HD. Touch HD. Touch HD.